Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! Barely able to believe what I was hearing, less able to move without trembling, I pushed against him, watched my cock slide in as slowly as I could manage. I wanted to be inside him all the way, but he was right. He was right. Make him feel every inch. You'll never fuck him for the first time ever again. God, Daniel, you should see this. His head fell forward and he pushed back. I didn't have to do a thing but watch him take every single inch of me into him, even as his movement took every last breath out of my lungs. Gasping soundlessly, I held onto his hips, hips, held him steady, or myself. And when he moaned, it could have been me making the sound. Neil! Yes? Hot, 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 hot! Hot, 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 hot. <laughs> um, if, if some of the rhythm sounded weird, it's because the word single is its own sentence. <laughs> Every single. single inch of me into him <laughs> is a different <laughs> sentence. Anyway... What is it? What is it? Podcast. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck Mary Girl with the characters. And now it's a musical. (laughs) Um, More importantly, uh, spoilers, spoilers everywhere, but not a drop to drink. Um, yes, um, if you've come here for reviews, congratulations, you've come to a great place, but if you don't like to know the endings of the books, by all means, stop, go mm-hmm. buy the book, read mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. come back. Mm-hmm. I've decided that, I mean, okay, there have been a couple books that we've read that I'm like, nobody read this book because it is so, not only like bad writing, but just like problematic, and I feel mm-hmm. bad supporting that kind of art, but for the most part, even if I don't like the book, I support people supporting independent writers. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if you're curious, just like go read the book and then come back and we'll have a little chat about what's happening. Indubitably. Um, but most and most and most important of all, Claire. Yeah. It's our 3-year anniversary. Oh, 3 ah! Congratulations, Neil and Christine. Congratulations, Claire and Christine. Congratulations, readers and listeners. Congratulations, authors. Oh, congratulations. I love it all. So this, uh, when this episode comes out, our anniversary is actually next week, but it's like during a week between our recording. Our mm-hmm. anniversary is the 13th of February. Um, so, but... Uh, I thought I'd start us off. I tried to say out and off at the same time. And I said <laughs> out. I'd start us out um, with my uh, traditional anniversary game, if you don't mind. I want you... to play. Great, great, great. So this is my hot and bothered. Also, I looked up the traditional third year anniversary gift is leather, which Ooh. I am all for. And then the modern gift is glass. I don't understand why there's a traditional and a modern, but I also have never been married and who knows, whatever, whatever. But 
Between the two, I feel that glass is probably more functional. Like, I would love a set of new wine glasses, but I'd rather have leather, honey. Leather sexy. Leather is very sexy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so let's take a look at the year. Not the calendar year, but our year. So since last February, Uh um, let's talk about which characters from the year we most want to fuck most want to marry, most want to kill, as well as our favorite couple and our favorite sex scene. And just to remind you and our listeners, these are the themes that we covered since our last anniversary. American ladies in England in the 20s, (laughs) werewolves, space operas, uh, male nannies, high school bad boys, magical Victorian London, uh, Chuck Tingle versus Rowling, and I'm including the Chuck Tingle quickies because he deserves it. Uh, beach reads, celebrities, say yes! Romance book clubs, haunted houses, astronomers, tingle your own adventure, and hate to love. Ooh. So that's what we did this year. And f- fucking honestly, American ladies in England in the 20s feels like exactly 65 years ago. <laughs> it feels so long ago. It feels so long ago. <laughs> but that was that was our that was our anniversary or our first episode of our anniversary. So our first episode in February, this last February. Oh my god! Oh so my god! So Claire, yes. So many themes, so many different <laughs> types and quality of book that we have read. Which characters? Do you most want to fuck, most want to marry, and most want to kill? Okay. Um, well, I'm going to start with kill. Mm-hmm. Um, and in part, it's gonna it's fresh in my mind. But after looking over all the books we read, and there mm-hmm. were so many killable people, there um, were. It was it was a rough year, but I'm going to say Joshua Templeman. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Like that son of a bitch. That like was GDSOB. Memorably horrific yeah, in yeah, The yeah. Hating Game by Sally Thorne. And honestly, like, ugh, that guy. That guy. Nope, Mm-mm. nope. That Mm-mm. guy. And Mm-mm. like if we were doing like a worst couple, they might also be my worst couple. They're pretty bad. Yeah, no. Um so uh but to fuck. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going all the way to the beginning, which is Uh Catherine Fuller from How to Talk to Nice English Girls Mm -hmm, by Gretchen mm -hmm. Evans. And of course, she was our American girl. Right, right, right. Our good time girl. Our girl time girl who is super fun and very sensual and sexy. She was a lot of fun. She was great. She was great. She was great. She had great lipsticks. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> she wore her like, short dresses. She She's the one who dressed up like a man, right? When they went yes. out dancing. Yes. 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 And also, like, that scene in the grass where, <gasps> yes. ugh, like, and then, they, and then she was just like, no, it's you. Like, I want to be with you. And, like, it was just, ugh, it was such a good book. But also, like, she was very sexy. And also, like, I just, I liked her so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. But who do I want to settle down with? Who is Ooh. my who is my forever? It's going to be Redford Red Morgan from Get a Life, Chloe Brown. Oh, by interesting. Talia Hibbert. And I'm going to say, like, after looking over everybody, mm-hmm. um, he kind of 
ticks all the boxes for me. He actually yeah. is super smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very kind. Mm-hmm. Rides a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Is an artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I know when we read it, there were some problems with him. But sure. honest to God, like, no, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely understand, but I'm a little surprised that that was your answer. Yeah? Who did you think I was going to pick? Um, I don't know. I will say But I get that, it. No, I, I definitely get it. He was pretty great. I will say that of the other possibilities of who I would marry, you will mm-hmm. find them in favorite couple. When I do the favorite couple, fair, I fair, think fair. you'll see where they come in. But um, oh, I want I bet I know who your favorite couple is. We'll see. I yeah. want to do I want you to do fuck Mary Kill first. Okay. So I am going to fuck Rafe, our male nanny. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, girl. Yep. yep. Ooh, he just sounded so sexy. The the cover photo, he looks so sexy. And then also, like, as much as I don't like kids, he was great with kids. And then he was always like, oh, hey, let's just talk about our feelings. And, like, okay, like... Um, and I forget I forget the woman that he ended up with, but the, the, the mother who hired him. He, he's, she, you know, when he was like, yeah, if you decide to hook up, let's just do it. And she's like, is it that easy? And he's like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're adults. We can just make our own choices. So I'm going to fuck him. I'm going to marry Vince Knight from our haunted house. Um, oh, what was it called? Uh, it was Restless Spirits. Restless Spirits. As a Guiding Spirits? No, that's the other book. Because I downloaded that whole trilogy and I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I, there, there was just something he was um like kind of, he he like had a little a few shades of bad boy and that he had the like the checkered past and he was a little withholding but like still mature about stuff and if i married him i'd get to be part of a bunch of ghost hunting expeditions in victorian Ooh. london i'm very excited about that and i am going to kill Kai from Reign of Fire, Starfire, uh, whatever it was yeah, called. Yeah, no, he was uh, he was high up in the killable list. And I will say, though, I kind of had a feeling you were going to kill him. That guy who was like, oh, I can spy on this woman with my mind. And if she doesn't do exactly what I want, I'm going to destroy the galaxy. Like, fuck off, bro. Fuck off. He was, he was a space Nazi who was... Uh, fighting other space Nazis, so he thought he wasn't a space Nazi. Well, no, he was fighting space imperialists, so he didn't think that he was bad, but he was actually a space Nazi. Right. And he's garbage and awful, and I hate him. And the book with just uh, Homegirl, I forget her name, but if the book had just been her and that kid, it would have been an amazing book. <laughs> but no, he had to show up and ruin everything. Uh, yeah, Ugh. no. Like okay. I, mm. Claire, favorite yes. couple and favorite sex scene. Okay. So favorite couple. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. It went a little crazy. <laughs> Did you pick like six? No. Three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good, good, good. Oh, also, sorry, really fast. A close second for me for Mary was Chloe Brown. Chloe Brown was great. She was great. She was great. We we had it was like some really great people and some really awful people this year. No, it's it's really true. So, um, 
Favorite couple. Favorite couple. Uh, first place, Jack and Lucky from Somewhere Only We Know by Maureen <gasps> Gu. Like, yeah. just like, honestly, mm-hmm. like the two, like the, like their shenanigans was super fun to follow. They were adorable <sighs> together. Okay, we talked about recently how the hating game is being made into a movie. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Somewhere only we know needs to be made into a movie. Yes! It's it's oh. ready. It's ready for that. I mean, like, just like Hong Kong, all the food, all the, like, her performances. It's going to be a gorgeous movie to watch. They're super adorable. The friend who drove the taxi and oh, was last so EDM, he was great. It was such a good book, and it would make such an amazing movie. Yes. And I feel that they would, f- like, I really hope, because the author seems like a great person, they find a female Asian director, and the two of them, like, take Hollywood by storm and make this, like, such a beautiful, authentic movie. Agreed. Like, and I I (laughs) liked their adventures together. I liked them, like, learning about themselves through each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I also, mm -hmm. like, because it's YA, they're not gonna, like, get married and be together forever, and I do admit, like, there is, like, I felt like an HEA without it, like, having the that, like, there was the glow quality without Mm -hmm. it being that, but, like, still, it also didn't have, like, a lot of the why a feel that other ones did because these two were as even though they were in so much like young adults they were also on their way to being adults or almost adults so like they really it really felt coming of age yeah part of the happily ever after was them figuring out and putting themselves on the path to become the sort of people that they want to be Mm -hmm. not just them being together but them being together and then also becoming the people that they want to be which that like that's what that's how i want every romance novel to end i want it to be about the relationship but i also want it to be about the people growing and becoming the people that they know that they can be yes and like, and and that's kind of what I liked out of Jack and Lu- Jack and Lucky so much. Um, <laughs> but in in tied for second place uh-huh. was Harry and Vincent Knight from Restless Spirits by Jordan L. Hawk and yes. Lucian yes, yes, and yes. Stephen Day from The Magpie Lord by K. J. Charles. Yep. Yep. And yep. 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 Honestly, so like they were all magical great. Victorian London people. Yes. This is why I love that very specific trope. I mean, solving crimes, mysteries, and magical things, ghosts, where you at, bro? All the things! And their sex scenes. Ooh. Ooh. Ah, spicy. All four of these, all four of these gentlemen, I would marry, fuck, like, like, it was, it was too hard to pick. And of course, I also didn't want to separate them from each other. Right, exactly. Like, the more I thought about it, I was like, but they make such a good couple. But you had that question there. So I was like, good to go. Right, 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 right. Okay, sure. And favorite sex scene? So this was very hard. Because there were, there were actually so many good ones. And we did find, like, even in bad books, sometimes Mm -hmm. the sex scenes were pretty great. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say, though, that I gravitated most to The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics. Okay. And uh, by Olivia White. Uh, and I, I will say, like, in part because, like, it was a little bit about discovery, but it was about equality. Mm-hmm. But they also didn't have the same sort of tropes that other ones did, where it was yeah. like, oh, you're a virgin and I'm going to teach you things. It was like, no, 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 we can guide each other. Right, right, right. Even 
though it was about um, Lady... What was her name? I want to say Lady Grey, but I don't think that's what it was. No, no, no. But no, yeah, it was, yeah. The the, yeah. the lady. Um, it was her realizing for the first time that she's queer, but it it didn't feel virginal. Yeah. It didn't it was, have a lot of those, I never understood I liked women before. It was very right, much right, right. like, this was the sacred thing I kept from myself. Mm-hmm. And I even remember I pointed out the passage where when it clicked in her head, it was described as like being able to read what was going on between the lines of her biography. And it's yeah. like, great. And she's like, oh, that, that explains things. All right. And now I'm going to go hook up with this lady who's very smart and intelligent and we want to support each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, so beautiful. No, I know, like I also felt like those particular sex scenes, um, they fur- furthered the emotion of the moments that were mm-hmm. happening. They also, but they also didn't. Um, they they weren't in and of themselves like just like set pieces you could take out. Like the book didn't make as much sense without them. Mm-hmm. But also they were they were long enough. Like you mm-hmm. also felt like they were sexy without being mm-hmm. like over like uh, without being like pornographic but still being, they, like, erotic. Yeah, they felt intimate as well as erotic, as opposed yeah. to just sort of, like... I don't want to say exploitative isn't quite the right word, but, like, no, presentational but think, for the reader. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, like, um, like, the tropes that were involved, like, taking off one's corset or whatever, felt like it was, like, more, like, necessary as part of the act, more than mm-hmm. just, like this is a sexy thing that we do in a bodice ripper. So right. really, and I thought those were great. Like they were mm-hmm. honest scenes. So, mm-hmm. um, so great, I didn't great, just great. pick one. I picked a book, but That's I still fair. feel good about it. That's fair. I mean, we make our own rules and we can break them whenever we want, girl. Indeed. And you? Okay. So my favorite couple, I ship all of the couples that you mentioned as well as um, Alden and Conrad from Conventionally Yours. Oh, of course. They were very sweet. But my favorite couple is Marion and Catherine from um, the the British ladies. Uh, How to Talk to Nice English Girls. How to Talk to... Thank you. I <laughs> I don't have the titles. I just have the themes in front of me. Um, that book, and, and I said it in the episode, that it suffered a bit from... Um, not wanting to kill your darlings, but like them as a couple, like, like that type of writing, the like intense, but very quiet sort of love. I absolutely adore. And the fact that they ended up together, just like living independently in some flat in London with all their like bohemian lesbian friends. Like it's so great. And I just, I love them so much. So they are my favorite couple, even though Owen, um, Chloe and Red were also a great couple. Like, we had a lot of really good couples this year, and I'm so happy for all of them. But my, I, if I had to pick a favorite, which we do, because these are my rules, <laughs> I'd pick Marion and Kathleen, or Catherine. Um, and then my favorite sex scene, which I think this is cheating a bit, because it was not in the novel, but in, like, the little afterward part, like the little bonus novella part of the same book, was with Crane and Steven from the Magpie Lord when they realized that when they had sex, uh, Crane's magpie tattoos would move yes! off of Steven. Yes. And then that was like, oh, I believe I have something of yours. Shall I return it to you? Yes, do. This evening would work perfectly. <laughs> like, that, like, 
their relationship was great. The like the the magic system in that book was was really great. I really enjoyed it. But just this idea of just like when we have sex, it like makes magic happen in the art of us transferring tattoos to one another because we collectively are the magpie lord. It's just like you 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 can't beat that. No. You cannot beat it. It's very good. It's very good. Very good. Very good. Um a close second is Chloe getting fingered in that uh, courtyard out in public on bar night. Yeah. <laughs> that, was such a, that was such a good book. Oh, my God. It really okay. was. It really was. All right. Uh, so that was that. Claire, what's your hot and bothered? Oh, fuck it. That was wonderful. I'm hot and bothered about how great we are. <laughs> great. Great, great, great. So for our anniversary episode. Uh-huh. What did we read? We read Good Girls Do by Catherine Linz. No, I'm sorry. Kathy Linz. Good Girls Do mm-hmm. by Kathy Linz. And By the Book by Scarlett Parrish. The theme was librarians. Mm-hmm. A sect of the population that I adore enormously. Actually, fun fact. Um, part of uh, my eighth grade history class, we had to do... It wasn't quite, it, I mean, it was basically community service. It wasn't called community service, but we basically had to have a certain number of volunteer hours. And I volunteered at the main branch of the library in my hometown. Um, and they sort of shuffled me around. So like a couple times I was in the children's section, a couple of times I was in the section, I was in the section. The woman in charge of me kept calling me Aaron. I think she thought my name was Aaron. It's fine. Like, I'm used to people calling me by the wrong name. It has happened my entire life. But... I love libraries. I love librarians. I was so excited to read these books. Uh, Spoiler, spoiler, listeners. It didn't go well. (laughs) But let's talk about the books. Let's talk about these books. Good Girls Do by Kathy Linz. Julia Wright couldn't be more content with her job at the local library, nestled in placid, picturesque Serenity Falls, until her wacky mother, petty thief sister, and little niece, Tony the Biter, decide to crash her quiet party of one. And a new guy roars into town on his Harley, shaking up more than just the books on her shelves. Luke McGuire never thought he'd set foot back in the dull town where he'd spent his youth, But when his abusive father dies, he's forced to return and take care of the family bar. While trying to get the people of Serenity Falls to lighten up a little, he makes an unlikely alliance with a feisty librarian whose pages he'd really like to turn. The battle lines are being drawn, and Luke may have an uphill fight on his hands, but he's determined to come out on top, tempting this good girl to be very bad. So that's what it says, Claire. Uh Uh-huh. Claire, what is this book about? Um. (laughs) Uh, yes, I guess that. Um, okay. This book is about a town. This book is about a people. This book is about a lifestyle. This book is, okay, I'm going to say this right now. If anybody is listening to this and is huge fans of the Gilmore Girls, 
and the fast talking heavy dialogue like crazy back and forth everybody's got a funny job um just stop listening to this because <laughs> you're about to be so angry at me <laughs> oh god so this feels like fan fiction, like Stars Hollow Gilmore mm-hmm. Girls fan fiction, where Done everybody terribly. everybody in the town is quirky, and everybody mm-hmm. in the town's got a story, and mm-hmm. everybody knows everybody, and everybody's got to be in everybody's business. But before we continue, I would like to read the dramatist persona oh, of, this, do. of this book, and... I apologize, readers and listeners. This is going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> and before I go on, I would like to say all of the named people I'm about to say have significant lines of dialogue in this book. Mm-hmm. I meant to say towards the top of the episode, between these books and the fact that it's our anniversary, this is probably going to be a very long episode. <laughs> and I refuse to be apologetic about it. I mean, I would, except, like, the thing is, Jesus fucking Christ. All right. <laughs> Dramatis Personae. Mm-hmm. Julia Wright. Billy Whitman. Pam Greenlee. Modine Entman, Mr. Soames, Luke McGuire, Walt Whitman, not the author, uh, Edith Peterson, Tommy McGuire, R.J. Brandt III, Maybelline Bond, Tyler, Angel Wright, Sky Wright, Antonia Tony Wright, Ricky and Lucy, who are llamas to be fair, um, Abel Adamson, uh, Adamson, Mrs. Selznick, Sister Mary, Sister Margaret, Algie Big Al Washington, Sue Ellen Riley, Dora Albernathy, Sandra Delaney, Leslie Burbank, Sheriff Norton, Fraser McGrady, Alice, Patty Miller, Laura Wisnowski, uh, Andrea, Ethel, Phil the Dentist, Val, Danny, Morgan, and of course the most important name in this whole book, Adam Kemp. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Adele? Uh, yes. Okay, just making sure, just making sure. Yes. Um, I would have to say, too, um, all of those names, with the exception of Adam Kemp, were brought up in the first 20% of this book. <laughs> and you hate when there are too many people. Uh, uh, no, this... This is insanity. This is like they all are a part of the plot. <laughs> and this is not counting the other people who did have dialogue but no names. Um <laughs> insanity. Townsperson one. <laughs> townsperson two. Tree. Oh my god. So like every motherfucking person in this book had to be important. Last time we complained and discussed about people who are isolated, our love interests who have no family or friends about them, and they're drowning in people in this book. Their buddy is around them at all times. <laughs> I actually liked that about this book. Like the 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 townsfolk and the characters excluding the main characters who were meant to be sympathetic were very sympathetic 
And um, Julia, our main character, had two different sets of friends. She had Pam, who was her friend friend, and then she had some work friends. Uh-huh. She had scenes with both of them, and I appreciate that. And then I also I also did really appreciate the the like the meddling townsfolk seemed like they were delightfully obnoxious. It was sort of like the the town hearing meetings in Parks and Rec where people just say random things. And like there's a town hall meeting. The scene was completely superfluous. I will admit that, but there's an old guy who kept talking about underwear for some reason. Yeah. And like I I enjoyed that and I enjoyed the setting of this town. But the main characters, especially Luke, Luke is a monster. Luke is walking garbage. (laughs) And Julia doesn't make a goddamn decision until like 80% into the book. Yes. And even then, it's barely. And I. Right. I have so, like, both of them, actually. Like, I would also say so, Julia and Luke are our love interest main characters. Mm -hmm. And. Julia has come to this tiny town a couple of years ago to escape her family because she's so different from the rest of them, but also to settle down and just be an adult. She is 30, which I super appreciated. Like, mm-hmm. I appreciated, like, a, a woman. Um, <laughs> an adult woman. An adult woman. Um, she owned her own fucking house. Like, she, yep. you know, she knew what she liked, even though her taste was bland as fuck. She, um, she was, like, soggy crackers. Oh, yeah. This, but she was at a, the same time, She was like, a white lady. She was <laughs> white. She was just, like, cream of wheat Oh no! Sitting in that, her that meme room. of all those like white ladies in a row in autumn, like uh, autumn like sexy ladies or whatever, and it's just them in the same sweater and the same UGG boots. She's yeah, yeah, that yeah. woman. She's... She she is that woman. But at the same time, it's just like her thing is I like my little quiet basic life, and there's a reason why I'm here. There's a reason why I chose to live here. Chose the job that I have. And this is the life that I want for myself. And the whole book is people trying to change that. And it's not interesting for a character to be completely reactive to everything. But at the same time, as a human being, I'm just like, no, I like, I get it. Like, you just well, want to I be left like, alone and nobody's leaving you the fuck alone. I and get I think it. that kind of that kind of hints at a part of the book, like the premise that I started to like, like this book is a comedy. There's like the wacky is, family, the llama. Yeah. There are llamas. Kids. There are llamas. It's Ricky a high and Lucy, the book. llamas. Like, I'm sold. I was mm-hmm. sold on the concept, more or less. Except that Luke is garbage. Yes, and we'll get to Luke being garbage in a second. But so, <sighs> like, and the the problem for me is like, so she has this life that she really likes, and then the comedy happens where, so in the in like the structure of a comedy. Your life is going the way you want it to. Shit breaks, and then you spend the rest of the tri- time trying to get back to normalcy, or you accept the new normal. And so, and of course, at the end, she accepts the new normal, which is like 
this crazy guy she's fallen in love with we'll get to that in a second her crazy family who live there now like those are she's and like the truth of her life and that she's just accepted that and so i i like that i like that struggle i mean that's the kind of thing like um i don't know like money pit which is Mm -hmm. also a movie where it's just two characters reacting to every motherfucking terrible thing that's happening around them and then having to deal with it and then it all Mm -hmm. coming to a head Right? And it just it's doesn't just, quite come to a head in this book. It doesn't work here because the things that they are reacting to, like Angel, Algae, the nuns, um, are I liked them more than the main characters. And then the other things, like the, the busybodies of the town, were more interesting to read than the main characters. Well, So yeah. they're reacting to things that... that earned my affection and attention more than our main characters. Yes. Um, Especially so, because Luke is garbage. Like, I I, I know we're going to get to it later. He's fucking garbage. <laughs> he is walking fragile masculinity. Oh, oh my god. Like, it's just... So, so here she is. She's just sort of living her life. She's trying to get away from her crazy family. Luke is back in town. Like, he grew up here. His father died his abusive father died and left him the bar and sort of said like you can't like you you can't do anything with this bar for six months you have to run the bar and then at the end of six months you can sell it or do whatever mm-hmm. and so that immediately <laughs> sorry i just remembered what happened to luke between growing up in the town and coming back and it makes me laugh because it's bonkers it's i'm sorry please keep fucking insane so so he goes so he comes into town on his motorcycle he doesn't want to he's he doesn't want to run the bar for six months and honest to god it is the dumbest portion of this book that there's this weird ass ticking clock that we don't talk about that isn't actually important that no that nobody cares about like it's a secret to him so he's the only one who knows about it it's so like, also, why bother? Why fucking bother having a ticking clock at all? Right, and he doesn't even need to do anything. Like, if he walked into the bar and said, hey, Adele, you're in charge, do whatever, it would be fine. Yeah. Because she seems like a competent person, despite the fact that she was sort of complicit in his father abusing him. Mm-hmm. Um. Which was awful, but also kind of believable, because it was this sort of like, oh, it's not my business kind of thing, which is believable of small towns. Right. So I'm not excusing the behavior, but it it makes sense for the character. But she's a competent human being, and literally if Luke walked in and was just like, do whatever the fuck you want, bye, she'd make it work. Yeah. And I will say, over the six months, like, he does make some genuine friendships, he does, like, you know, whatever. Mm. But he never enjoys the bar. He never enjoys running it. There's never a moment where you see him, like, with his patrons going, you know, this isn't so bad, or I kind of enjoy this, or look at me, like, I am, like, I'm, like, healing through this. Like, we don't right. see any of that journey. Right. Which also, like, highlights all of his worst points. And I'm going to say, like, uh, th- like, the the problem is Luke isn't even like there's one there's two interesting parts about Luke that make him a different kind of garbage than any of the other garbage guys we've read. But on the whole, he's the exact same as every other garbage guy we've ever read. He is. And I mean, every first line of thought out of him about Julia is like how fucking hot she is and how much he wants to bang her. 
And that's it. That's the extent of his thoughts I until have way later. Can I read a passage for you? Oh, please. Please do. So they have their little, Julia and Luke have their little, you know, verbal barbs that they do, whatever. And I forget the context of this. It honestly doesn't matter. But she's saying something, and he says to her, Still have nothing to say? Luke joined her. No problem. I'm not a fan of Gabby women anyway. Mm -hmm. Gabby women, she repeated in disbelief. You have a problem with that? Lots of problems. She'd lecture him about being a chauvinist, but doubted he'd change, so she needled him in a more subtle way. The least of which is that it doesn't seem like the kind of word you'd use. What's wrong with Gabby? He sounded defensive. Nothing. It's just, well, more of a feminine adjective. And I used it about females. He stopped in his tracks. Wait a second. Are you accusing me of using girly words? His, outrage, his outraged expression cracked her up. It's not funny. Lucky for you, I might forgive you. Why is that? Same reason I gave before. Because I want to have sex with you. Yep. He's garbage. He's fucking garbage. There's another point where he calls married women other men's property. Uh-huh. So that was fun. Um, can, we, uh, can we talk about his fragile masculinity for a hot second? <laughs> sure, just a sec. But I do want to... Yes, absolutely. But I very much want Please to... Please continue. Sorry. I want to say, like, what's, what, what we need to highlight here, which is, I think, excruciatingly important, is that is the expectation of both sexes. Like... I think there's there's only a couple of times where I think the binary really sticks out of like female male and like she is just as guilty of chauvinism as he is. She is just as guilty of wanting that and like feeling that is the natural state of things. Like when they first see each other and like the one of the first things she looks at, she's like, and we had just this immediate sort of like sexual energy with each other, but she refers to it as a male female thing. Male female danger. Yeah. Yeah. Male, male female, female danger. Danger. And it's just like, oh, like I know that she's sort of like, oh, it means that I'm, he's going to get me into trouble because I'm going to do things that I shouldn't do. And like, isn't that cute and sexy or whatever? It's like, no, that's garbage. Let's set that aside. But then also, when I hear the phrase male female danger, my mind goes to domestic abuse. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And like, uh, and like, I would have I I'm the I blame the author entirely for Completely. not only feeling this is sexy, but also like making fun of other people who in the book who don't fall into that particular line. <laughs> this like, book should have been about Angel and Tyler. Oh my God! Okay, we're gonna get to that at the end because that is Sorry. one of the most important things about this book and the only reason to read it. And okay, yeah. but so. But yes, let's talk. I and before we get to fragile masculinity, I want to get to this particularly hor horrifying passage. Luke mm -hmm. couldn't believe how <laughs> Luke couldn't believe how long it took them to get close to, uh, to close down the so-called fun festival. Glaciers move faster. Finally, his Bo Peep librarian, she dressed as Bo Peep for this fucking thing, um, was leaving the crowd, heading back to Main Street towards the library in the pond. He left his Harley parked there, so he's, he might as well follow her. Even though it was dark, and he could see the sway of her hips ahead as she walked ahead of him. Like, there, like, this book does not do narrative. This book wants to be a script. Yes. And it, like, 
Uh, it wants the, which is another reason why I feel like it's just bad Gilmore Girls fanfic. Mm -hmm. Like, because it wants to be that. Like, it would spend pages upon pages in dialogue with no narration for the longest time. Mm -hmm. To, to the point where it was boring, because you had a really hard time keeping up with who was saying what, because all the voices sounded the same. Like, yeah. like Luke and Julia just sounded like the same person after a while. And it was like, wait, yeah. who's talking? And I'd have to go back and count. I'd be like, who? who? Yes. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. he follows her in the dark and then grabs her from behind. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not okay. That is it's not okay. Never okay. So I did a thing that you did once where, cause I can highlight in different colors now mm -hmm. and everything that was a uh, red flag, like bad behavior on Luke's part is just highlighted in red. And. Oh, that's most of the book, isn't it? Yeah. It was every yeah. fucking page he had dialogue on. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the thing is, Julia spends very little time thinking of him when she's going about her daily business because she's got shit to deal with. She's got <laughs> shit to do. But anyway, back to like <sighs> fragile masculinity. Let's hit that and then let's... Oh my God. You know what? I almost want to forget about Luke. <laughs> I just... Like, my favorite example is he walks in to talk to Adele, who is the cook at the bar and has been for years. So when his dad ran the bar, Adele was the cook. She has ideas. The dad refused to like make any changes whatsoever. And she's like, oh, so-and-so's taking over. Maybe now's the time that I can like suggest to make changes. She's invested. She cares. She wants the business to succeed. She wants to express herself as a cook. Great, great, great. And she comes up to... to um, She's talking with Luke, and he says, like, oh, and we're raising the prices, because they hadn't raised the prices in so long. And she was like, oh, was that your um, your librarian friend's idea? Saying that in that way that gossipy towns people, too, like, oh, I saw you talking to the librarian. And then the assumption being that when a man talks to a woman, sparks are flying or whatever. Um, but Adele just being sort of a, a nosy Nancy, just being like, oh, is that your librarian friend's idea? And he's like, what? You don't think I have ideas? You can't, you don't think I can't think of that by myself? He does that like several times, especially with women, when women are like, oh, that's interesting. And it's like, what? You, you think I couldn't think of that by myself? And it's like, guy, like, calm the fuck down. There is a scene where he's interacting with Algae, who's great oh algae's amazing big al who's the only black guy in town who oh, runs a and, comic book store. and this author likes to point out different ways that he's the mm -hmm. only black guy in town mm -hmm. uh like saying that he looks like the guy from green mile mm -hmm. um his la like there's you know just uh, so much so much i'm sorry yeah. like but there's a scene where luke is talking to algae and in the narrative it's like oh luke gave algae the look that would make other men wither and it made algae just sort of like smile and grin i'm like yeah because he's not here for your fragile masculinity you fucking <laughs> douchebag like he's got shit to do like he clocks you for being walking glass Whenever someone's like, oh, hey, did you think of this? And he's like, ah, fair, fair, dude, bro, fucking bro, dude. I'm doing stuff with my shoulders, listeners. I'm sure you can imagine what I'm doing with my shoulders. Um, yeah, it's like painful and almost comical. And then also like 
pitiable. Just mm-hmm. like how fragile Luke's masculinity is. And yet the narrative and Julia constantly work to like shore up his masculinity and reassure us that he's so male. He's yep. so male. And it's like, guy can't even like be questioned without getting fucking defensive about everything. His masculinity is like the gl- Laura's glass menagerie is Luke's masculinity. His masculinity is a tiny glass unicorn that some gay guy's going to knock over because <laughs> at his sister. Like, I can't with this. Um, my, the worst part slash best part about this book is mm-hmm. that you could take out uh, Luke you from could take the out narrative entirely, like enti- and it would be a like, much better book. Not just a better book; you could actually physically do it. Like, yeah. so much of the rest of the plot just revolves around Julia accepting who she is, accepting her family, and accepting the town. That you literally don't need him. He is not important to the plot. This mm-hmm. is barely a romance. Like, mm-hmm. you could just shuck him and all those bits out, and this book would make more sense and be fun. I wanted this book to be about her relationship with her mother, Angel, and Angel's relationship with Tyler. Yes. That's what, also, t- we can move on from Luke, but we have to talk about what he did for a living. Oh, yes, because there's ah! two things we have to talk about here. <laughs> Neil! Neil! Yes? What did Luke do after he graduated high school? So he shows up on his Harley with his bad boy attitude, and we find out he was in the Marine Corps. And I'm like, you know what? I buy that. I get it. That's that's a way for a lot of people to. Um, it's it's a it's a way out for a lot of people who come from small towns who don't have money. It's a way for people to um, sort of find. Um, discipline and to f- have the means to sort of start over, start their lives for themselves. Right. How many of those people go on to, to be in the FBI? He became a special <laughs> agent in the FBI! Like, what the fuck? And the only... <laughs> the only reason that this author made him a former FBI special agent was so that he could run Tyler's fingerprints when really it would have made so much more sense to have, to have him been a cop at some point. Uh, But no, 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 no. He was a special agent in the FBI. He went so undercover. He lost himself as a person. And then he had a gambling addiction that didn't really matter beyond the fact that like he needed the money, which there's so many other reasons why people need Addiction isn't an addiction if you're able to just kind of stop after you've paid right. your debts. <laughs> right, right. Also, it never comes up. It never comes up later. There I, Isn't there a poker scene? Isn't there a scene where he plays cards? Yeah. And it's not a big deal. No. Nope. He, do, he doesn't display the behavior of someone who has an addictive personality or a problem with addiction, particularly around gambling. Or around anything. He's obviously not an alcoholic. We never, we see him drink twice in his own bar. He has no problems other than the fact that he needs money, which is, which is fine, which is valid, which is believable. But like, there's so many other reasons, like, Give us a reason why he needs money that actually pays off in the narrative instead of just him being like, I'm dangerous. I can't, 
I can't expose Julia to this dangerous lifestyle. I'm like, what fucking dangerous thing have you done in this whole goddamn book? Other than being abusive towards women. Sure, Mm -hmm. there's that male-female danger we keep talking about, I guess. But, like, guy, get back on your goddamn motorcycle and get the fuck out of town so that Julia can work out her relationship with her mother... Her mother can find love in Tyler, and everyone can become a better person for it. Yes. Before we move on to the most important, and honestly, one of the most little romantic bits that we've read, like, before we move on to that, Neil, how do men in this book solve problems? By hiring private investigators. Uh (laughs) Like, it didn't happen just once. It didn't happen just twice. It happened three times. <laughs> three times. Because, oh my god, okay, we'll get into it later, because that's a whole other thing. Julia has a secret dad, uh, which is nuts. The man that she thought was her father wasn't her father. Also, we'll get into it when we get into it. That went absolutely nowhere. 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 But, like, Luke looked into Tyler... Adam, her dad, looked into Luke. Luke looked into Adam. Oh, and there was a point where they were trying to track down the dad because part of why Angel, uh, uh, Julia's mother, who calls her Angel, Angel prefers to be called Angel by her daughters, as well as her other daughter, Skye, and her granddaughter, Tony, they show up at Julia's house with llamas. Oh my God, fucking llamas. llamas. (laughs) Anyway, part of why they're there is that Angel feels that she finally, like, the guilt has gotten to her. She finally has to tell Julia that the man that she thought was her father was not her biological father. That, in fact, Julia was conceived of a very brief relationship that Angel had with a man in one of her classes at UCLA. And then she, I guess, found this other guy who is Julia's sister's father and who raised Julia. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about her relationship with that guy at all. No. Anyway, so there's one point where Luke says to Julia, oh, I have friends that can help us track down who this guy is. Julia doesn't question that even once. Not for, yeah, no. She doesn't, and the, the, we, the readers, already know that he's a former FBI agent. So we're like, oh, he's going to talk to his FBI friends. Ass- whatever. Julia's just like, oh, yeah, Luke knows people who can track people down. That's not a red flag. That's not alarming in the slightest. Well, what actually, are you talking about? She did question it briefly, because I remember that scene. And she's like, who? And he's like what, don't you trust me? It just goes back to his, like, fragile masculinity moment. Because any time a woman questions him about anything, he has to, like, throw it back instead of just answer it honestly. Instead of answering a goddamn question, there's one point, this is, like, just an example of context is not important. It's a point where the, like, the sheriff... Oh, it's when Angel proposes to have Tyler come fix the bathtub in exchange for like massage and the way she's talking about the massage when someone comes in and overhears her she the woman thinks that angel is a prostitute is a sex worker and propositioning tyler so she reports it to the sheriff the sheriff approaches luke about it luke's like no that's kind of crazy and julia's like so apparently the sheriff thinks my mom is a sex worker and luke's like oh yeah he asked me about that 
And Julie's like, did you tell him that it wasn't true? And Luke was like, what? Do you think I'm best friends with Johnny Law? Fuck off. Fuck <laughs> off. This woman is asking you if you helped stand up for her mother. I mean, me, me personally, sex workers don't need to be, need someone to stand up for them other than to advocate for their rights and their safety. But in the context of this town, obviously it would be bad for Angel if she were perceived as a sex worker. And Julie is literally asking Luke, did you stand up for my mom? And Luke's like, what? You think I'm going to say more than two words to a cop? Fuck you, fuck you. I'm like, guys. Despite the fact that he was a cop. He was the FBI. He was the, yeah, there's another point. He's like, nobody tells me what to do. I'm like, that's probably why you didn't last in the Marines and the FBI, did you, buddy? You don't follow orders. He's garbage. He's fucking garbage. he was just awful. And again, didn't actually matter to the narrative. I mean, didn't matter even though to the this narr- was a romance book. I cared book, more about was... Angel than I did about Julia and Luke. And, okay. So now let's, I want to talk about Angel. So let's. Angel is in, you know, she's an older woman. Uh, she's <laughs> got a varied and hippie past that this author yep. just made up as she went along because she doesn't really understand hippies. Um, Can I just say, sorry, to interject really quick, there was a point where it talked about how she had a sit-in at a Red Lobster in San Bernardino. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the next county over from where I grew up. And it just, like, I know so much about her that she had a sit-in at a Red Lobster in San Bernardino to get them to free all the lobsters. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know what? You know what, sister? Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I mean, and she was she was delightful. She was funny. And it was so odd when this book that had been going back and forth inside the minds of our two main characters, just like we mm-hmm. normally do, went inside her head. And <gasps> like, and honestly, I don't know what came over this author, but her narrative was so refreshing to listen to. <laughs> it was... Despite this woman being sporadic and strange, was very yeah. calm. And mm-hmm. it was very, like, mm-hmm. reassuring. And she just looked at the yeah. world through this, like, very, like, honest but quiet lens. Okay. She, like, she was, like, she, she couldn't keep the llamas in her daughter's backyard. They had to go to a farm. And she mourned over them. And we watched her mourning over them. And she would and go then, visit the Amish llamas. She'd go visit them on the Amish farm every day. And then, like, and she found out that uh, that Tyler uh, rollerbladed at night when he couldn't sleep, uh, which she she thought was they're adorable. They're perfect for each other. They're perfect. So she she goes out into the night because she also can't sleep because she's thinking about the secret. She's thinking about like how like how strange her life is that she has to be a burden on her daughter. Mm-hmm. She actually doesn't want to be a burden, but she doesn't know what else to do. And she's she's. Having she has come to the decision and is like still realizing examples of the fact that she was not um the 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 best mother for Julia. Right. Like, like she their was a- life wasn't settled. Their life was very like it, it was prone to her whims, you know. Yeah, and, and it, she like, was a good mother for Sky. Like she was she was the like Sky is the like Sky benefited from this type of mother, but Julia mm-hmm. didn't. And right, right, right. and it hurts Angel that she and Julia don't like don't have the same sort of speed, which also makes so much sense when they when they belatedly and they should have brought this up sooner, the type of man that the biological father is, who is this mm-hmm. like 
Trump-esque type of guy. Yeah. And, like, that she's... This was so outside of the person that she normally loved or wanted to be with. And then it turns out her daughter is so different from her, and it makes her afraid. Mm -hmm. It makes her afraid that the moment her daughter finds out who her biological father is, that her daughter will seek that person out and love them more because... They're very mm-hmm. interesting. And, like, when she's talking about this with Tyler at night, like, Tyler's like, well, but that's not, that doesn't make any sense. And she just looks at him and she's like, but that's how I feel. I know it doesn't make sense, but that's how it feels. And these feelings are hard. And it's like, yeah. And Tyler, unlike Luke, goes, okay, yeah, that does make sense. Uh, he was so lovely. He was lovely, and then at a point it became hilarious. But I'm just gonna. So then. I mean, sure, sure, sure. But we're this is a book full of shenanigans, so right? It happens. So like, and and like, they just they just kind of fell in together. And then she wants after she tells Julia the truth, and Julia is exceedingly angry at her for good reasons. I thought. I mm-hmm. thought the argument between them made total sense too. Except that, sorry to interject, we find out following Angel's narrative that. Before she was even able to tell the father that she was pregnant, he cheated on her with someone else and just, like, left her. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's also part of why she didn't tell Julia. Like, she didn't want Julia around the type of father who would cheat on someone. Right. But she never mentions that once to Julia. And I feel like if she had, because the reasons that she gave is she's like, oh, he's a capitalist and that's the very worst thing that you can be and he only cares about money and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like, sure, the three of us, yes, 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 that's true. But that doesn't, that won't work on Julia because Julia is a more of a conventional sort of person. And even though she's not necessarily materialistic, she's not anti-capitalism. But I, I can't help but feel that if Angel had said, before I even got the chance to tell him that I was pregnant, he cheated on me and left me for someone else, that that would have resonated with Julia. Yeah, And she still probably would have wanted to meet him, but she would have understood better why Angel made that decision. And as soon as we find out in the narrative that that was a thing that happened the whole time, I'm just like, Angel, just tell her that. Tell her that, because Julia may be cream of wheat white lady, but she cares. She is a good person at heart. And if you just tell her, like, I'm so, like, I'm not trying to, like, color your impression of him, but your father cheated on me and left me for some other woman, and that's why he's not part of your life, that would resonate with her. Yeah. I agree. So that drove me fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, that... But also, Angel makes a lot of terrible decisions, and it's, like, within her characters. I'm just like, I guess, whatever, whatever. I know, like, I mean, that wasn't my... And then, like, Angel goes on to... Because she wants to be the type of... uh, The type of woman that Julia would want as a mother. Mm -hmm. So she tries to, like, quote-unquote straighten out. Like, she Mm -hmm. she gets, like, a normal job. She starts wearing khakis and polos or something. And, like, she's... And she starts dating um, Phil the dentist. And um, she tries to be normal. And Tyler's the one who's, like where's the woman that I like so much who is so full of fire and spark and and like I, I feel like there was just so much genuine honesty between Tyler and Angel that was really endearing 
It was so lovely. It was so lovely. I also did appreciate that when Sky, Julia's half sister, confronted Julia about it, she's like, "You know, she's doing this for you." And Julia's like, "I didn't ask her to do any of this. Like, it's not about her becoming like quote normal or quote straightening out. I don't want her to like." give up who she is i just want her to take responsibility for her actions and to like acknowledge that growing up she didn't do that and that hurt me and just acknowledging that like i i am an adult i have my own life and like yes i'm gonna let you come and stay in my house because i'm a fan you're my family but that doesn't mean you can throw out my pop tarts because I'm an adult and I can make these decisions for myself. Yeah. And so I did appreciate that conversation between Julie and Sky. I just wish that that's what Julia said to Angel. Yeah. No, <laughs> I agreed. And like anyway, I think the next thing I want to talk about though is the level of ridiculousness that this book sometimes gets to is that we do find out that Tyler, who has been, who seems like sort of like maybe a half homeless guy who's like sort of in and around town doing small jobs here, mm-hmm. was um, what, like the district attorney of Chicago? Chicago! <laughs> <laughs> he was the DA of Chicago and his face like... went bad and he's like, I want to go be a transient in some East Coast or Pennsylvania town. Like, what is happening? And I was like, no! No. So that's why. <laughs> and then I was, was like, able to find out that Luke used to be in the FBI. Right. Meanwhile, Luke was running prints on Tyler to find out who he used to be. Which was funny, but also insane. Yeah. And then, but not only that, I was like, oh, Angel's not going to be into that because he's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he's an attorney. Yeah. No. Oh no. Yeah. A DA is one hundred percent a cop. <laughs> Oh my god, it cracked my shit up. Um, But the funny, the one thing I want to bring up, the last thing, is um, Adam Kemp, the real father. So, (sighs) Angel withholds for the longest time the full name and is like, Adam, that's all you need to know. And so then it builds and builds until, like, we're like, the writer is obviously writing in suspense for me. And I'm like, will I know who Adam is? No. And then she says, Adam Kemp. And I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> no, no, no. Remember that sentence that somebody said like six chapters ago about oh. wanting to buy the waterfall? Yeah. It's that guy. It's that guy. That Hope you're paying attention. Comment. Like, fucking hell. Also, okay. So that whole thing led absolutely nowhere. Mm-mm. So, Julia goes to meet Adam, brings her friend Pam along. Also, real fast. Who has no dialogue at the whole date when they're, like, sitting at the table? And she's like, Pam is just there, like, going, Pam is a good friend, though, because Pam asks Julia probing questions about Luke. Yes. That makes Julia think about things. I'm like, great, great. This is what, um, uh, fucking what's-her-face from the hating game. This is what she needed. She needed a friend to be like, hey, but you said, didn't he just... Anyway, so I enjoyed Pam. Anyway, they go to meet Adam, and he it, tur- it turns out that he's exceedingly materialistic. Ob- like he's, oh, he's, he's Trump. Rich- he's Donald Trump. Trump. He's Trump. He's exceedingly materialistic. He um, doesn't care about people. 
He just cares about <laughs> money. And sure. And and then Julie meets with him and is just like, oh, he's not a great guy. Okay. I, I don't need this relationship in my life. Two things happen here. One, it doesn't change her mind about anything. Anything other than, oh, this guy that I never knew existed until a couple months ago, I don't care anymore. Like, it doesn't change her view of the world. It doesn't change her relationship with her mother or her family or her family's ideologies. It doesn't make her realize, oh, now I see why my mother feels this way about capitalism or, oh, now I see why the intangibles are more important than the tangibles because she always felt that way. That was always true of her. The other thing that happens is after she meets the dad, she says very specifically, I don't need a relationship with him because I have a relationship with Luke now. She replaces her relationship with her biological father with some guy that she's fucking. Great. That's healthy. Also, it doesn't change her relationship with the man that she thought was her father who has passed away. We don't know anything about him other than the fact that he died when she was relatively young. It doesn't change her opinion of him at all because we don't know what her opinion of him is. But more importantly, she doesn't need a dad because she's fucking some guy who is abusive and rude and awful. Yeah. In a way that's even worse than the guy that is her father. Yep. It's like... What is happen? What is happening? Like I've mentioned this before. Whenever a woman says, "I don't need a relationship with my dad because I'm fucking this guy," I just am so uncomfortable, and I want everyone to sit down with a therapist and talk through what's going on because it is not okay. Indeed, I think I'm about ready to leave this book because oh, I think we're good, but. There's one thing I think is important to cover, which is the wiener dog race. (laughs) And not because it's important, and not because of the kiss that happened, because that was the dumbest bullshit of all. It's just the description of the wiener dog race, that this is something that happens in this town all the time, and that these little wiener dogs race, and they're adorable, and and they have, and like... Phil, who is the dentist and also works the microphone at the Wiener Dog Race, has so many good Wiener Dog puns. <laughs> so many puns. And like, he's like, look at the buns on that dog. And honestly, it was adorable. And like, just thinking about their little legs and their little tails and running through the grass. <laughs> See, this is why I enjoyed the, t- what was it called? Like, Sleepy Falls or... Something. Yeah. I enjoyed that the town felt like a, not not necessarily a real place, but the trope of these tiny towns with these weird customs, nosy people, like... All, it felt it, like Stars Hollow. It was Stars it, Hollow. Yeah. And it was, it was done well. We just needed to remove Luke from the entire thing. Like his, the, um, the mayor's whole thing about going up to Julia and being like, so we're trying to become one of the best 10 towns in America. And, uh, uh, Puxitani has the, the gopher. Do you, you have llamas. Can you make them 
tell the future. Prognosticate? Like, yeah, she's like, I don't fucking know. And it's like, you're a librarian, you'll figure it out. And she's like, random oh. shit like that. Like, that was so, it was obnoxious, obviously, but it was enjoyable to read that Julia was trying to deal with that while also dealing with her mother. Oh my god, it was great. It was great. Oh, also the lovely. Of all the people who do investigations in this book, our librarian never does. <laughs> Never does. She oh, never does one bit of research. <laughs> one point we find out after the fact, despite the fact that we spend time in Luke's head, that at one point Adam, Julie's biological father, approached Luke and offered him a million dollars to stop dating her. Why did he do that? I don't know. Who cares? We don't hear about it until Julia finds out about it after the fact. And it's like, oh, Could he gave up lift a it right dollars. out of the book. He gave a million. He gave up a million dollars to be with me. Yeah, but did he though? Like, come on. Blah. Let's let's put this book to bed. Let's move on. That was that book. By the book by Scarlet Parish. Two's company. Three's allowed. Reese Hutton conducts his life between the covers of books and beds a librarian by day and in the evenings he's a man whose tastes are anything but vanilla so when a local writer daniel cross appears in the library one afternoon with the aim of doing some research reese has a hard time not noticing how attractive he is or what he feels like is the chemistry between them they exchange a few words and daniel's business card and an interlude with which reese puts down to networking rather than flirtation after all he has a girlfriend georgia to go home to and her best friend a threesome to help his birthday go literally with a bang reese being a gentleman most of the time, has no objection to returning the favor, especially as his new friend Daniel seems all too willing to be their third for an evening. Georgia sees their triangle as nothing more than a temporary bit of fun, but Reese? He'll eventually have have to own up to breaking the unwritten rules of their relationship or close the book on a growing attraction to Daniel. So that's what that book says it's about. Uh, Neil. Yeah, two things. One, that was so much longer than it needed to be. Uh-huh. And two, listeners, Christine turned off her camera to go take care of something and then went out of her way to turn it back on to shake her head at the puns that happened in that <laughs> cover before turning her camera back off again. Okay. Okay. So this book, um, through a bit of research, I discovered that Scarlet Parish is Scottish. So I'm assuming that this book is meant to take place in Edinburgh, Glasgow, some large Scottish town. It kind of felt like that way to me. Like I could kind of like pick up on some of the words. I was like, oh yeah, this is in America. Right, right, right. So, um, okay. Okay, this book. Um, Reese is a librarian uh-huh. and he ends up noticing an attractive man who comes into the library turns out it is Daniel Cross a local writer who has decided that wherever he was working last to get his writing done wasn't really cutting it anymore so now he's trying the library as a new environment 
that's quiet and productive for getting writing done. Great, great, great. He wears sunglasses. He wears a little bit of eyeliner. Oh, he's so mysterious. Ooh, gosh. Ooh, gosh. Then, Reese goes home to find out that for his birthday, his girlfriend Georgia has organized a threesome with the two of them and her friend Sarah. They uh, handcuff him to the bed, but check in that he's able to release himself just in case. They check in about the safe word. Great, great, great. Then Georgia and Sarah basically take turns pleasuring him. There's a point at which that Georgia's kind of fondling Sarah a bit. And Sarah and Georgia have uh-huh. are long-standing friends. So, like, they're sort of like a friend of the couple. Like, they both know her. They're both comfortable with her. And then after, after everybody has a good time, Sarah goes home and Georgia and Reese sit back and say, wasn't that a fantastic evening that we had? And up to this point, Neil was like, great, this is exactly why I picked this book. All of um, this is Claire great. was also that. Claire was like, delightful passage of way to spend time. And I told my husband, I was like, uh, sometimes I don't like to binge these books because they get me too hot. <laughs> and oh. I want, I need to take a little break. But one oh. must keep reading. <laughs> I, I love that about you. Um, so we also find out through their conversations that Reese and Georgia just like revel in the fact that theirs is not a traditional relationship, that their sexual interests are not traditional sexual interests, that they, they love sort of like pushing the envelope on things and, and being like they wear sort of debauchery, not quite debauchery, but, you know, like um, kinkiness as a badge of honor. Uh-huh. And I say, great, great, great. And I'm sure, Claire, at uh-huh. this point of the book, you were reading it and you're like, I know exactly why Neil picked this book. I know exactly what Neil wanted to do in picking this book. I, I was excited. I was mm-hmm. looking forward to the next phases of their sexual, like, great. stuff. Yep, yep, yep. And then... Reese says, sort of as an offhand comment, like, oh, hey, that was so much fun, I'd be happy to return the favor, insinuating that he would find another man so that he and that man could take turns having sex with Georgia. And she's like, that's, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Do that. Go, go do that, please. And he's like, oh, sure. Great. Okay. So then, apparently... which I have to say, they've done before. Like they've it is done before. It's not like the birthday thing was a one-time su- new surprise. No, happened before. Mm-hmm. It was also like uh, they've also brought a man into their bed before. Yeah, done before. Mm-hmm. So there's a point in here where it says, "Oh, Georgia's had sex with other men, and Reese's had sex with other women." That led me to believe because they also, and I didn't. I assume they live together. Turns out they don't live together. But between that and saying, oh, Georgia's had sex with other men and Reese's had sex with with other women, I assumed that they would, they had an open relationship and that they were allowed to go have sex with other people independently. And then they would also bring in a third person to have sex with together. Uh 
but we find out later that that is not true and apparently they only are allowed to introduce other partners when it's both of them together with a third person right and it's like okay that that's that's and, fine if that's and it definitely of- also seems that like georgia believes that one of them is the main attraction in that particular threesome yeah that we're, go- we're gonna get into that later oh yes okay good because uh yeah. oof yeah so it it's like okay if if you are in a open relationship and the rule in in which the rule is we are only open when it's us with another person great if that works for your relationship fantastic if it works for your relationship that you're both allowed to have sex with other people independently of each other and then you also bring in a third person to have sex with the both of you great if that works for you absolutely splendid that was unclear in this book what the rules were and that becomes important later yeah Mm-hmm. So I, I, I feel like that. I feel like there was a lot of assumption of what the rules were. Yeah. So then I thought we were going to have like there was because there was an interesting moment where because um, they do eventually bring Daniel in as a third, mm-hmm. and um, and Georgia like Georgia and Daniel kiss, and then George and then Daniel comes over uh, to Reese and kisses him on on the side of the cheek. Uh-huh. And uh, Georgia sort of indicates that she's on board with them going ahead and kissing a little bit more if they wanted to. <laughs> and Reese says in his head, oh, I didn't know we could expand the menu. So, like, uh-huh. sort of indicating that there had been rule talk at some <laughs> point. Uh-huh. And now Georgia was adding a rule or adding an expectation that had never been in before. Right. So... Yeah. I was thinking that we were going to have a talk about expanding of rules. Right. So we see that we we sort of piece together through contextual clues that when there's another woman involved, it's not uncommon for Georgia and that other woman to, um, uh, like, they. I think they made out. I think they fondled each other a little bit. Um, I don't think there was any oral or insertive sex between the two of them. Yeah, no. It was mostly just like first and second base stuff, but we happen to be naked kind of thing. Yeah, because there was a moment where Reese goes to the bathroom to like change out, to take off the condom to clean up a little bit mm-hmm. after the first part of their sex. And mm-hmm. he tells the two girls like, don't get started without me, but sort of indicating that it, it's fine if you do, but like I'm, yeah, making, yeah, yeah. I'm making a joke, jokey joke. Yeah, jokey joke joke. And it's um, silent. It's silent. Like, and he comes back, and they're obviously just waiting for him. Like, they have no yeah. interest in each other. <laughs> right. But then on top of that, there's the rule and sort of expectation that when there's another man involved, that Reese and that other man don't do anything with each other. And in fact, Reese is more comfortable when Georgia is between him and another man yeah. at all times. No touchies. No touchies. Which is fine, as long as everyone's on board. Yeah. Right great 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 but when uh he invites reese to be a part of their third and there's a scene i'd like to read a little bit of a passage um that really indicated to me that this author is familiar with sort of like negotiating threesomes being in open relationships that kind of thing which i like i'm like great yeah it's obvious that you um 
a familiarity with this, so I'm totally on board with what you're writing. And so this is when uh, Daniel first comes over. They're at Reese's apartment, so the three of them are just sort of, like, hanging out. They know the plan is for the three of them to have sex that night, or rather for Reese and Daniel to each have sex with Georgia. That's the plan. Everybody's on board. Everybody's That's what everybody has signed up for, but there's a point at the beginning of the evening where, and this is all through Reese's, He's it's first person from Reese the whole book. He says, We were all here for the same purpose, knew what was going to happen, but that was later. This was now. How to get from here to there presented a minor dilemma. It needed one of us to take that step, to announce with body language subtle enough to still be dignified that it's gone. I'm like, yeah, I've had that moment too. When you go over to someone's house for the first time and you know you're going to have sex, you know that's what you both signed up for. And there's still that sort of like, that, that, in, that indecisiveness, that sort of like, okay, how do we start? Who starts this? What's going on? What's going on? And it's, it's often awkward, but whatever, it happens. So the fact that this author brought up this moment, I'm like, they know what they're talking about. They get it. They understand. I'm no, and, I'm... and what I also liked was that when they were talking about bringing Daniel in, like it was something they agreed to amongst each other. <laughs> and then they had, they went on a date with Daniel. Like they both, like they had like a little dinner date with just the three of them. Mm-hmm. And like, just to see if they all liked each other. And then afterwards, like George and Reese had a talk and George was like, yep, I'm still yeah. on board. Because it, it seemed that, usually when they invite a third person it's someone that they both know already and are both yeah. comfortable with so they went out of their way to make sure that they were comfortable with daniel so i'm like great this is this is all correct Everyone all is this is good and even right and honestly even the sex scene with the three of them mm-hmm. like under like like knowing that reese was obviously starting to have sexual feelings for someone he didn't normally have sexual feelings for and that was mm-hmm. like he was kind of struggling with it but also kind of like respecting George's boundaries in like mm-hmm. the sex scene but also he hadn't talked to Daniel about those feelings at all mm-hmm. so there was no crossing of boundaries in the sec- in sex moments mm-hmm. because they hadn't talked about it so that sex scene was still also I, I felt super hot and great yeah. yeah everything up to this point and, and even a little bit further. Let's keep going. So after the threesome, um, Georgia and Reese check in and they're like, that was a lot of fun. Was it a lot of fun for you? Yes, it was also a lot of fun for me. And Georgia was like, you know what? I wouldn't mind doing it again. You should reach out to him. And, and that's when we find out the new rule that yeah, they didn't right? talk about before. She's like, you should reach out to him to see if he's still interested and like we can make this a semi-regular thing. So under her insistence, he goes, and she's like, just hang out with him tonight. Just go get a drink with him or whatever. So he's just like, okay. So he texts Daniel and he's like, hey, what are you up to? And Daniel's like, nothing. Do you want to come over? And Reese is like, I mean, I guess, sure. So he goes over and they have a conversation where Reese says, listen, Georgia and I had a lot of fun and we would love it if you would want to participate in threesomes with us again in the future. And Daniel says, I'm totally on board. You're both hot. I had a lot of fun. But I'm also attracted to you. And if we do continue to have threesomes in the future, I would like to be able to do stuff with you as well. And Reese is like, oh, okay, this is new. Um, 
I I don't quite know how to feel about it because part of me super loves the idea and part of me is a little like, oh, that's new. And obviously I need to talk to Georgia about this. Um, so up to this point, I'm like, everyone's doing everything right. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing everything right. Everyone's communicating what they want. Everyone is agreeing, providing consent beforehand. Mm-hmm. Everyone is on the same page. And I think it's perfectly fair for Daniel to say, I'm only interested in having a threesome with both of you if I'm able to have a threesome with both of you, not just to have sex with Georgia while you're also in the room, because I'm also attracted to you. Great, 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 great. And then yeah. Daniel does something that he shouldn't have done. It's not the worst thing he could have done because... At the time, we didn't know it was against the rules. Daniel kisses Reese. Mm-hmm. And at this time, we think that they ha- that Reese and Georgia have sex with other people independently of each other. So I'm like, oh, okay. So then Reese goes to talk to Georgia about it. And somehow she intuits that Daniel is attracted to Reese without him actually saying anything. And then that's his fault. And that that's bad. And this is when we find out that up until now, the third person is a prop yep. in their lovemaking. Yep. Especially if it's another, per- like if it's another woman, anything that Georgia does with that woman that could be considered as queer intimacy, sex, etc., was all performative, and that that person is a prop. So that she and Reese can wake up the next morning and be like, oh, we're so lascivious. We're so licentious. Aren't we beautiful in our debauchery? Oh, oh, we're so kinky. We're so wonderful. Without actually considering the feelings of the other person. So while this fight was going on, I was like, poor fucking Sarah. It would not surprise me if Sarah was kind of into Georgia and didn't realize that Georgia honestly couldn't care about sex with Sarah. Right, which also leads me to go like, oh my god, that's another reason why they never had a return partner. Right. Because that person was probably always like, okay, well, that was fun, but I don't need to go back. Right. <laughs> like, right. I don't... And why, like, when Reese went to talk to Daniel, he was expecting it to be awkward. Right. And he was expecting a level of awkwardness. I was like, this seems weird that you feel this awkward about it. Right. I mean, I expect a little bit of awkwardness, sure, but, like, not this level. And then I'm like, oh, you've never talked to them afterwards. You've never talked to them afterwards. You abandoned them as your friends. And so here's the thing. If I were approached by someone, maybe even a friend, that was like, hey, my partner and I would love to have you as a threesome the evening is about that person that's that's what this is all about then I could decide from there and there are plenty of people who'd be like yeah why the fuck not right like I'm probably still gonna get off and like sure tonight's about that person why the fuck not right but they didn't communicate that with anyone because I'm fairly certain they don't realize that that's what's going on, especially Georgia. Georgia's a monster. She's a bit of a garbage person. She blames Reese that Daniel is attracted to him, makes it obvious that um, any anything that could be considered queer sex on her part was strictly performative, strictly for Reese's benefit, and 
And that if, like, she says this line so many times. Like, the first time I was like, I, you're having feelings and you need to get it out and I understand. Every other time she said it, I was like, get the fuck out, bitch. She was like, but the thing is, because if you bring him into the bed, it won't, it'll be about you. Mm-hmm. And, like, she said that so many times and I was like, why? Why can't it be about him? Why is it only about him when it's two ladies? Why can't it be about him when it's a, a man and a woman? Why can't it be about all three of the people involved? Yeah, why? Uh, why? But, you know, like, hold on, hold on. Like, like, and she was so angry. And then when you really look at it, so like, she's like, because he's like, but you had sex with a woman. And she's like, because it was, but it was about you. You were there. It was your birthday. But then if you look at that sex scene again, through the view of that, mm-hmm. Reese was never actually in control of that sex mm-hmm. like and the the women who were there told him what to do the entire time and at first mm-hmm. i thought that was his kink and but then to, when you when you're blissfully like, ignorant of what the dynamic right. actually was it was a good sex scene it was a totally good sex scene but all the other sex he had with georgia no that's not true so a lot of the other sex he had with georgia all the sex that he had with daniel was like back and forth like everybody gets to like enjoy it but as soon as georgia is actually in the mix Reese and his own needs were not involved. Mm-hmm. Not in the threesome with the two women, not in the threesome with Daniel, and not in some of uh, Georgia and Reese's sex scenes alone. She was in control, and, uh, and the moment she wasn't allowed to have any control, she was fucking out of that relationship. Yeah. There's a point where they're arguing, and he brings up the point, and he's like, yeah, but you fooled around with Sarah. And she's like, it was for your benefit. And he's like, also, why are you getting mad at me? Daniel kissed me, and she says the following the following sentence. The fact that it happened behind my back shows it couldn't have been for my benefit. So if you two can't control yourselves when you're around each other, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Other people can't be attracted to other people if it's not for your benefit? Shut the fuck up. So, Which is so weird. Then they break up without actually saying that they're broken up. Like, you have to realize through context clues later that that was their breakup. And Reese actually, and this is a problem that he has through the whole book, he doesn't actually say anything. He doesn't actually put forth his opinions. He doesn't put forth any arguments. She's basically like, oh, I'm able to discern that Daniel's attracted to you and you're attracted to him, and that is not okay. I'm blaming you for being attracted to someone. And so here's the thing, too. For someone who's so... who loves to revel in their own debauchery, revel in their own, like, anti-establishment sexual practices, to be like, oh my boyfriend is actually attracted to a man. That's interesting. That's new. That's probably something that we should talk about. No, it's not okay. It's wrong. It's his fault. Everything is bad. And then she just leaves. And then he starts hanging out with Daniel and Daniel somehow knows that he fought with Georgia and keeps pressing the relationship, even though Reese is still figuring shit out. And then also at this point for the rest of the book, Nobody finishes a goddamn sentence. Nobody, nobody. Every time somebody talks, it gets interrupted or it just trails off in ellipses. And it's just like, I just, I want, dot, dot, dot. I know. And then I'm going to give you, dot, dot, dot. But we shouldn't because, dot, dot, dot. Like, nobody. Even I can't, even, like, I got to a point, I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> right? 
Right? <laughs> Even when Reese meets up with Georgia later and they're talking about the relationship again, and this time Georgia says, Listen, my understanding of this relationship was that we were romantically monogamous. Romantically, it was the two of us, and everything else was just sex, but now you're romantically interested in someone else. I'm not interested in a polyamorous relationship. And I'm like, yes, that is a fair That's point. That's fair. Like, where was this the first time around? But uh, whatever. But even then, even when they were having this conversation, it's like, yeah, because you couldn't dot, dot, dot. Well, no, it's not true, Georgia. I want to give you dot, dot, dot. Please believe me that dot, dot, dot. I'd give you anything to dot, dot, dot. It's like, somebody finish a goddamn sentence. I don't know what's going on. Um, I will also say, like, this also got a problem when we were having one of our first, like, sex scenes with Daniel. And Daniel's like, I'm not going to have sex with you yet, but I want to do something that was taught to me that I think you'll like. And I was like, what, what is it? <laughs> and like, for the longest time, I didn't know. I was like, what are we, we going to do? And like, he kept telling him to like, lay on your side. I was like, ooh, what are we doing on our side? I like, thought I, it was going to be this big kinky thing. No, he I, just fingered him. He, he just fucking fingered him. And like, but like, it took so long to get there. It took like pages. And I was like, what are, we, what are we doing? And I, I literally thought I was going to learn a brand new sex thing. I thought I was going to learn something whole right? brand new. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh no, you're just going to suck him off while you finger him. Like, that's it. That's all okay. that's going to happen. I mean, yeah, Why didn't you ask him? Why didn't you ask him? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, that's that's great. That's a great thing to do to someone who's interested in that. It feels fantastic. <laughs> but don't sell it to me like it's this brand new kink I've never even heard of. Also, okay. <laughs> to- also... Uh, Reese would have known about it. <laughs> he's well, like so not unfamiliar. <laughs> here's the thing, though. Sometimes the way Reese talks, it's like he cannot conceptualize two men being attracted to each other sexually, let alone romantically. Like he exists in a world where queer men don't exist, and I'm just like, what is happening? And it's way, it's one thing. Despite the fact that they must have brought a queer man into their bed right? before. Well, they probably didn't care to ask. To be perfectly frank. No. It's it's one thing to question your own sexuality, your own feelings, your own understanding of yourself, especially because they're in their like mid twenties, right? Late twenties. Late twenties. So I completely understand to be like, oh my god, I'm attracted to a man that's that hasn't happened to me before, and like trying to understand those feelings. But sometimes the way that he talks, it's just like. Like, oh, if he were a woman, I think he were flirting with me. Like, men don't flirt with other men. It's just like, what is wrong with you? And then also, let's talk. So, Reese at one point says that he never wants to get fucked. But then he changes his mind. Sure, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Daniel fucks him. And is mostly okay about it. He's he's slow, but then he has a point. It's like, I can can barely control myself anymore. Fuck off. Anyway... So, Reese is getting fucked in the ass for the first time in his life. And conceivably, other than those fingers, the first time that he's had anything in his ass. And he's described, and we're in his head. He is the narrator for this whole book. We're in his head while he's getting fucked in the ass for the first time in his life. And everything that he describes has to do with everything except his ass. Like, it talks yeah. about the feeling of Daniel's hands on him, and it talks about, like, 
what's happening in his head, but it never talks about what his ass feels like. And I'm like, okay, no, no, no. Like, I'm not expecting, like, a play-by-play, but just, like, to, like, taking a dick up your ass for the very first time. Even, even, okay, even Uh, when you... This is definitely where it started to feel like, and I'm a straight Uh lady, where it started to feel like a straight lady who's maybe only had a finger kind of up there like was dealing with this yeah. area like i feel like she's like well i have to deal with the area but i'll just treat it I'll like a vagina bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> but even still even when we have so many of our female characters having sex with men who are virgins they describe what it feels like to have a penis inside them because mm-hmm. that it, when you're experiencing that for the first time it's it's a very profound it, heavy Oh, it feels like a different thing. Experience, yeah. (laughs) And there is, there's honestly, and I've appreciated every time it comes up in one of the books where someone's like, "Oh shit, I got a penis." It's like, (laughs) like, oh, and like, just like, here's a weird thing. Somebody else's outside is in my inside, and just like, (laughs) what that like, like having your body, um, mold itself around something like that for the very first time and even even if even if it's not a large penis it's still like new and you get the feeling of something being inside you and what that's like but we didn't even get that for the fingers no like it was just like and then it's not and it's almost like he was doing outside narrative at that moment like then he so like he saw the fingers going, but he didn't have a sense of what it was. It just felt good. It just felt good. <laughs> yeah, it's like this author has not experienced butt play because like I mean, especially if you're writing about a man having sex with another man, like you just you can't or anyone, anyone getting fucked in the ass, you can't ignore what that feels like because you have a dick in your ass. <laughs> like regardless of how in love you are, regardless of whatever emotions you're feeling, regardless of whether or not you're questioning your sexuality, you have a dick in your ass. Like, <laughs> that feels a certain kind of way. And, you, like, you have to process that, like, emotionally. And then also your anus has to process that, that there is something more or less cylindrical just moving in and out of it when it's only used to pushing one thing out one at a time. Like, come on. I want that. I kind of want that whole speech on a shirt. Like the Great. whole speech. <laughs> Your ass has to emotionally right? process this. It's true. <laughs> no, it is, though. It is. And it just felt like it was such a weird thing to just gloss over. And, and it made me think, like, wait a minute. Let's go back to the straight mm-hmm. sex scene. The quote unquote straight sex scene. Which, of course, it wasn't. It was queer. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Georgia. It was queer. It was mm. queer. You had queer sex. Get the fuck over yourself. <laughs> so, like, and then I had to go back to that one and go, wait, what really happened in that? And, like, and then I was like, oh, wait, the blowjob didn't actually feel like, a, okay, hold on. Wait, where were their bodies in space? And I was like, maybe that scene wasn't as sexy as I thought it was. And, like, it was such an odd feeling. But then, as we go, like, 
So after he has sex with Daniel, after he and Daniel have sex, then like, and he and Georgia, Reese and Georgia break up a couple of times. And every time Georgia says the same fucking thing Mm -hmm. every time. And she's just depressed and upset about it and just emotionally like manipulating Mm -hmm. Reese. And, you know, Daniel the whole time is like, look, man, whatever you need. Like, uh, I think I'd like to be in a relationship with you, but also like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. Daniel goes out of his way to sort of like, he, he does the thing that a more experienced queer person should do to a baby queer person. And just sort of like talk them through like, Hey, so this may have been, your perception of, but here's what it actually is like, and here's why it's liberating. So I'm going to read a passage um, where we find out that Reese is in love with both Daniel and Georgia and feels guilty about that. And he kind of talks to Daniel about it, and there's a point where um, uh, Reese basically says, like, I am attracted to both of you, but that's not allowed. And Daniel responds with, it's allowed. In fact, fuck it. There is no, this is allowed, this isn't. You don't have to pick a team and stick to it forever and ever, amen. I kind of like it this way. It's a continuum, not either or, more fluid. So Daniel goes out of his way to be like, listen, guy, just like, it's, just be horny for whoever you want to be horny about. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. And then even after that conversation, Reese feels pressured to identify as bisexual, even though he doesn't need to. But while that's happening, Daniel keeps sort of pushing himself on Reese, even yeah. though, like, if, if, if Georgia weren't in the picture, it'd be kind of like, oh, he's just, like, he's being a little more open about his intention and sort of pursuing Reese and is basically waiting for Reese to say yay or nay. But in the context of this book, it's like, oh, because also Daniel seems to always know what Reese is seeing, thinking, so I don't understand why they even need to speak to each other, but they do. Anyway, Daniel knows that Reese is mourning the relationship with Georgia because he's still in love with Georgia and he's, and Daniel knows that the relationship ended specifically because Reese is attracted to both of them. Daniel doesn't give Reese any space and just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing the relationship because that's what he wants. So Daniel and Georgia are equally selfish and Reese just like cannot figure his shit out to save his goddamn life or make a choice or make a decision or anything. It definitely made me feel like, okay, I can probably see that Georgia and Reese fell in love with each other and had this relationship that was important to them and they liked the way they had their relationship that they'd been together a long time they didn't move in together they just had pieces of each other at their at their uh, respective mm-hmm. homes but they also liked mm-hmm. living alone like that was something Which they enjoyed part of why I thought that they were allowed to have sex with other people independently of exactly. each other but that turned out to not be the case not to say that right. like one no, indicates the anybody, other but you, you know yeah. So, uh, so like, I, I could assume the love mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. it had grown. Like, I didn't need to be there right. for it. I could assume it happened. 
But with Daniel and Reese, I genuinely didn't know why Daniel was attracted to Reese. Like, I I mean, like, I knew, I, okay, I could guess why he was attracted sure. to him. I didn't know why he wanted to pursue a relationship right. with him. Like, Reese added nothing to any conversation because he was such a silent any person. Fucking anything. He didn't make, he didn't, like, make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that seemed to be vaguely unique about him was that he was a librarian, and that's not actually all that unique. So, like, <laughs> I didn't re- really know why Daniel liked Reese. Yeah. Like, I, and then, like, when he's like, I'm in love with you, I'm like, why? You've had five conversations with this man, and two sexual interactions. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, especially when, and I have to talk about the thing I liked, hated about Daniel Cross the most. And honestly, there was so much about him to hate, but I can't help but love hate this. Here's a line that Daniel Cross himself has. Mm-hmm. Daniel fucking Cross is his own reason for existence. He's beyond all explanation. And he talked about himself a lot yep. like this. Yep. <laughs> He's such a and it was like, asshole. He was such a... But also that made him a human. It made him it a did. person, which was honestly more than I can yep. say for Reese. And Georgia. I mean, and like, I knew exactly why Reese was attracted to mm-hmm. Daniel. He was different than other men he'd brought into bed. He was actually sexy. Daniel knew who the fuck he was and like was not afraid to have opinions, was not afraid to put himself out there, was good at sex and good mm-hmm. at talking about sex. Um, I knew exactly why we were attracted to him. I was like, but who is this Reese fellow? <laughs> <laughs> And so then the book just fucking peters out. It does. It does. And the ending is like, like Georgia gives her blessing by having Dan by showing up to the library and being like, I left something for you at the reception desk. And it turns out that Daniel's sitting there and it's like, oh, because of Georgia's blessing. Like, fuck off. She broke up with you. Like, she's not your problem anymore. So like. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, and not only that, like, he then just decides he's going to go talk to Daniel. And so it's not even HEA. It's like, um, it's not even that Reese hasn't even come to terms with his, like, getting over Georgia. Like, he's no, not over Georgia yet. Too, that Daniel's like, you need to be on your own for a while. And I'm like, is Reese going to end up alone by the end of this book? And, like, that's what he should do. But, like, this is a romance novel. Surely he's not going to end up on his own. But no, he doesn't because... Any growth he could have done as a person by himself doesn't matter because Georgia decides to be magnanimous and give Daniel to him, even though he wasn't hers to give. And like, you ended the relationship. You don't get to dictate anything anymore. Like, ugh, God. No, I would have. I would have preferred. I would have liked, even if we just sort of montaged over it or just sort of glossed or like did like speed through just sort of like and so reese was on his own for a while he didn't have any contact with daniel or with georgia Uh and he ended up like he went to a gay bar and he picked up a guy on his own for the first time and it wasn't a particularly good relation it wasn't a good sex but he felt good about having done it and then he realized like yeah maybe daniel was really one of the only guys he was attracted to and he felt comfortable with that now like that would have been great but, that would have been great. Uh, nope. No self-exploration. Yeah, no figuring just, out, like, 
hopefully Daniel's a good enough guy to like help guide him through this new phase yeah. of his life. Yeah, even for just to realize like, oh, I'm I mean, not- we don't know. Yeah. Even for Reese to just realize like, oh, I'm not attracted to men. I'm just attracted to Daniel. Great. Because then then we're acknowledging the sort of fluid ex- uh, sexuality that Daniel is touting. And which is true, obviously, but but like it seems that every time, and it hasn't come up a lot, but every time we've had a book that's just sort of been like, you do you, baby, just like spread your wings and fly, do whatever you want to do, that gets undercut by the fact that like somebody still has to define themselves as one thing or the other. It's yeah. just, uh, anyway, can we move on? Yeah, no, okay. I'm all done. That was that book. I'm all done. That was that book. Are you ready to fuck Mary Kill? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's play Fuck Mary, Mary, Fuck 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 Mary, Librarians, mm. bar owners, and llama farmers. Ooh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not the best environment for it right now, but I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna fuck a bar owner. Um, okay. 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 We'll just pretend it's not COVID. We'll pretend they're busy. Like I mean, they're just like. Uh, they're in demand as sexual partners. <laughs> mm-hmm. Spend a lot of time looking at them. They know what they're doing with their drinks if they're at a good bar. I mean, yeah. like, no. Nah. Hey, you know what? I'm a cheap date. I just need, like, upper low shelf gin and some tonic, and I'm good. Let's have some fun. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to marry llama farmers. Okay. Because... I'm kind of feeling that. Big old okay. furry animals and uh, like, uh, so I don't know. Cute. Like, oh. why not? Like, I mean, I think in normal circumstances, I would 100% marry a librarian. I've had great experiences mm-hmm. with librarians in my real life outside of these two books. Mm-hmm. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, both of the librarians in this book were just I like, expected to spend more time wet. in a library. I'm just going to tell you. They were wet wonder Oh my God. And like, there was no point where we didn't even fuck in the stacks. Why didn't we fuck in the stacks? Right. Very Ugh. disappointing. Um, Very disappointing. There wasn't even a point where like somebody got to like shake their hair out and take off their glasses. No tropes. No tropes. No tropes. But so then why are we? I'm gonna here? kill librarians. Uh, and maybe it's you know just immediate feelings. Maybe it's because I miss being in a bar so much that I want to fuck a bartender. But that's fair, I also that's realize that it's obviously unstable. So let's let's farm llamas. But I just yep. I just can't with librarians right now. <laughs> oh, I love you all. Yeah, um, I'm going to marry librarians mm-hmm. just because, like, I just like if I could just talk about books all goddamn day long, I would be so happy. And librarians do more than just books, too. And it's great, and I love them, and they're wonderful, and I want to marry librarians. And I'm going to kill bar owners, 
Not because I want to, but because this is the only opportunity I will have to fuck llama <laughs> So, if I had my druthers, I would fuck bar owners and llama farmers. That's not the game. <laughs> this is my only chance with llama farmers, so I'm going to fuck some llama farmers, and unfortunately, I'm going to kill some bar owners. All right. All right. And I feel terrible about it. I feel terrible about it, but them's the breaks. Well, such is life. Such is life. Um, great. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I guess it means it's my turn. It is your turn. All right. So I'm going to say, mm-hmm. fuck, Mary, kill, Sarah, mm-hmm. who was our, mm-hmm. who was the third that was brought in. Uh-huh, fuck, Mary, uh-huh. kill, Sarah, Sky, who was the sister mm-hmm. of Julia. So Sarah, mm-hmm. Sky. Or, this one's out of left field, and I'll have to explain her, but Sue Ellen Riley. She was the sort of con Ah! artist who saw Jesus in the fur of the llama. (laughs) And had, I think, one of my favorite lines in the whole book, where she's trying to pull this con, and, like, this woman's looking at the Mm -hmm. llama going, I really don't see it. And, And she goes, it's there, it's there, if you believe in God. And the woman goes, oh, I see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she had also my favorite line in the whole book, which was, I faxed them a press release. <laughs> because that's when, that's when this book yeah, takes this, place. This book, even though it came out in 2006, was pre-cell phone times. Like, there yeah. was no cell phones yeah. in this book. <laughs> yeah. It was anyway. Okay, so I'm gonna kill her because I I don't like a con artist. <laughs> um, I'm going to fuck Sky. I guess I didn't really like Sky very much either, but she's not a con artist, so uh. I guess I'll fuck her. I bet she's good at it. She seems like someone who's she. There's a point where uh. Julia confronts her and was like, would you really have sex with someone you just met? This guy's like, yeah, if I wanted to. Yeah. I'm like, okay, great. Great, great, great. It'll be fine. It'll be great. I'd probably be thinking about, like, that there's a kid in the other room the whole time and that would make me so uncomfortable. (laughs) Anyway, but I gotta do what I gotta do. And then I'm gonna marry Sarah because we know so little about her other than the fact that she's game for threesomes and, like, lives in some... Scottish metropolis and hey you know that's enough that's enough I mean the one thing I know about Sarah so I I'm gonna fuck Sarah because (laughs) the one thing we do find out about her is that uh she always likes to make a guest appearance like that was one thing she said she's like it's one of her favorite things is to make a guest appearance (laughs) great I kind of like that I was like (laughs) she's She and I would have an open marriage so that she could go continue to do that. Oh, yeah. And, like, I feel like, you know, she liked to have fun. I'm very happy for her. It sounded like she was super sexy and, you know, great. Good for Sarah. Um, So I'd fuck Sarah. Sarah. She's probably great at it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like she deserves to be treated right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, She does. And, you know, and if if she needed me to bring in a third, so, and then, like, just be the extra person in that, I'd figure that out, too. We could make it work. I'm here for you, Sarah. We can make it work. And what you need, because you deserve to be not treated like a prop. 
Um, because you shouldn't be friends with Georgia. Right. Um, I'm going to marry Sue Ellen Riley because I fucking love people who see Jesus in things. Like, <laughs> 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 I, just, I just love it. I love it. And whether they're con artists or not, like it's, if it, it's a great con. Like, it's a great con. Just like, you know what? I see Jesus in this potato chip. Five bucks. Fuck yeah. Here you go. <laughs> Oh, is God. that a con? I don't think so. I love it. <laughs> I'm I'm down. And like of all the things to look at a llama and go, there's Jesus. Great. <laughs> Which means I'm gonna kill Sky, and not because I don't like her. She is in the next book. She is the main character in the next book in the series. <sighs> I don't want to read no, it. No, I don't. Also, she gets with a cop. <gasps> no. Yes. She would never. She does. Ugh, I hate it. Yeah, no good. No good. Um, all right. Okay. And of all the characters, Claire, who would you fuck, who would you marry, and who would you Okay, well, I'm obviously going to kill Luke, because I talked about that the whole time. He's unnecessary as a human being, and we're done with him. Um... (laughs) Yep. I'm going to marry Angel, because as crazy as she really was, honestly, mm-hmm. she had an exceedingly mm-hmm. good heart. And she did sometimes have a problem with empathy. She really did. She really she uh-huh. really put herself in places she shouldn't have. But she also learned, and she was also, like, she had a lot more going on than any other character. Um, right. <laughs> and it all made sense. I'm, like, being a washed-up Marine-slash-special-FBI agent with a gambling addiction that we never hear about ever again. Yeah. Or the DA of Chicago. Jesus fucking like, Christ. What the fuck? On, like, I loved their romance, but when that came out, it was like, oh, fuck you! You could just be a dude! <laughs> right? I'm like, why can't you just be this alcoholic who's cleaning up his life and was bad to his kids and now is living on the street a little bit? Why can't you be that? Ugh. Right. And I'm going to fuck Daniel fucking Cross. Because honestly, he seemed like one, super good at it. Two, also yeah. talked out emotions. Even if he was pushy with them, honestly, yeah. he, lo- he seemed like he'd be really good in bed. We forgot to mention the tattoos. Oh, he had angel wing tattoos on his back, and they covered his yeah. back. Like, shoulder to ass angel wings that were apparently very realistic. And let me say, that was, uh, you could tell that this man had been in threesomes before, because he recognized that awkward moment you talked about, and was like, I know what to do Mm -hmm. here. Hey guys, let me show you my tattoo. Gives me an excuse to take off my shirt. Now we're started. (laughs) He knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Which is why I am also going to fuck him. Not going to marry him. I, I think... I'm not... No. I, I don't think we nope, need nope, more nope. than that. I'm also going to kill Luke because garbage. Uh-huh. Garbage. Because um, the thing is, too, so, like, going back to Rourke and how much we hate Rourke, if we took Rourke out of the book, the book wouldn't happen. Right. If we took Luke out of the book, it was going to be a better yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, and it would still happen. Almost all the plots yeah. would still happen. He So he was the absolute worst. I'm going to marry Algi. <gasps> Yeah, the comic book store owner who wasn't putting... He he was a bit reserved, but he was not putting up with uh, Luke's fragile masculinity. Um, There's a point where Luke was like, 
hey, so Angel invited us to like Christmas dinner, and we can't say no because I lost a bet. And Algie's like, I wasn't going to say no. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And then they go, and Algie brought a gift for them, and Luke didn't bring a gift. And he's like, Algie, man, why didn't you tell me? And Algie's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's a Christmas. <laughs> we are going to a Christmas party that somebody's hosting. Like, bring something. What is wrong with mm-hmm. you? And it's like, yeah, that's why Adele put a gift certificate for the bar in your coat pocket to give to them. Because we all know you don't have your shit together. Anyway, so that's why I'm going to marry Algie. And, like, I'll spend time. Like, yes, living in Serenity Falls. That's is that it. That's called? correct. Yeah. Living in Serenity Falls would drive me crazy. If I had to deal with the nosy people... If I don't have to deal with the nosy people, it's the best. So one of my favorite things about visiting my mother, she lives in a retire like in a gated retirement community, and every time I go to visit her, which is usually Thanksgiving or Christmas, and after a big meal and meal and we'll be walking around the neighborhood, and she'll start give like dishing all the dirt on all of her neighbors and everyone around her. I fucking love it. I fucking love <laughs> old people drama. Because it's ridiculous and I'm not involved in any way, shape, or form. So I'd find the person who's involved with the drama in Serenity Falls but doesn't involve me with the drama. I'd have lunch with her once or twice a week just to get all the down low. And then I would go to Algie's comic book store, read some comic books, take him home, have sex with him. He seems very tall, which is the thing I appreciate. And that would be my life and I'd be okay with it. And you know what? I'd work at a library. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. It'd be great. And the books, Claire? Uh, I'm a killing the books. I'm a killing the books. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. happy with either book. Um, did not enjoy reading either of them. Um, there were parts of both books that I did enjoy. Like, there were times when the charming little town was, in fact, charming and interesting. Honestly, I don't enjoy Gilmore Girls. I do not actually like that tiny town. I don't like Stars Hollow. I don't think any of them are actually interesting. I'm sorry. This mayor who's interested in making sure the grass is all the same size everywhere, I'm not interested in it. Um, Mm. I am not interested in all of the nosy old ladies ever. I'm just... Like, good. It just felt like repeated beats after a while. And I was like, uh, I'm... I'm kind of done with like just reading the same thing over and over and over again. So yeah. even when that it was book fun, was also longer than it needed. It to was, be. and like they'd yeah. have their quirky little talks, and then they just get back to whatever the intro talk was. So it's like we're going to talk about that kiss you and Luke had. Let's have three to five pages of funny banter, and now let's talk about that kiss that you and Luke had. Now let's have three to five pages of funny banter. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm not finding anything out interesting about either of you two through this. Mm -hmm. I'm just like listening to you one up each other about funny things. And then also put yourselves down for being women. Fuck you. I'm done with this book. Yeah. So something that I forgot to mention when we were talking about that book is it felt like the author thought of a bunch of one-liners and then just sort of like strung dialogue together to get between them. Yep. Like some of the dialogue was incredibly disjointed and really bizarre. And it's like, 
somebody saying something that it doesn't make sense for their character to say just to set up the other person to say something else. And it's just like, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want this. Really fast, there was one other thing that drove me crazy about that book is every so often Julia would be like, note to self, but it was never a note to self. The note to self was like, stay calm right now. I'm like, that's not a note to self. There's another note to self. There's like, long note to self. Why didn't I stand up for myself? Why didn't I say this and this? Why did That's not a note to self. No. Does this author not know what note to self means? No. You make, you're making a note for yourself in the future. You're not making a note for yourself right now. That's not a note. That's you having a thought. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, anyway, so again, there were things that I did like about both books. There were things that were yeah. enjoyable. Um, but overall, mm-hmm. no. Sorry. Same. Same. And I, I wanted to like them both a lot. I did too. I really did too. But no, I'm going to kill them both because I just, blah, 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 blah. All right. Are we ready for our favorite gang? Please, Claire, give us something to look forward to. All right. As always, let's bring on the optimism. Let's bring forth the possibilities of what could be by playing Christine Guess. Christine (laughs) Guess! We're ready. We're shaking it out. We're stretching. We're cracking our knuckles. We're ready. I feel like... When when we have an episode with bad books, Christine guesses the palate cleanser at the end of the episode. <laughs> Christine guess is the sorbet of this this podcast. I am in the mood bush. Yeah, you is. Girl. All right. So Even though that comes them, in the beginning. So for one of them, I'm not going to do the parenthetical part of the title because it gives it away. Okay. So okay. You're just going to have to live without that same, until. So. Okay. so the first book is. Choose Me by Natasha Moore. The second mm-hmm. book is Second Chance by Jay Northcote. It's two different tropes in one. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Is it dating apps? Oh, no. No. My first thought, and I think it might be because of... Um, uh, because there's a whole thing about proms. Is it prom dates? No. Okay. It's not divorcees, right? Um, no. No. <sighs> okay. Okay. Who would get a second chance, Neil? Um. Choose me as your second chance. Cho- cho- what? Sorry, it's choose me and... A second chance? Yeah. Choose me and second chance. Which one has the parenthetical? Choose me? Yes, correct. Okay. Choose me and then there's some parenthetical that's going to tell us what the mm-hmm. actual thing is. Is it, is it an occupation? No. No, no. Oh. Is it a trope? Um, it, no, not really. I mean, yes, but no. Okay. Is it a mineral? Okay, okay. A mineral. <laughs> uh, yes. Good. Say yes. It is a mineral. It's also an animal. <laughs> is it engagements? I know that's dumb because it, almost all these books involve right. engagements. 
Is it engagements? No, it is not. Are you ready? I'm going to tell you the parent yeah, yeah, the one title. All right. Okay. So okay. the first book is Choose Me, parentheses, Silver Fox Romance, book one. Oh, <gasps> oh my God. Oh, um, so, I am extremely ready for this. <laughs> so it is. Uh, so again, it is a mineral and an animal. <laughs> so these two are silver foxes um but i but it's not may december i looked very specifically for books that are both cup both people in the relationship are over 40 (gasps) wait age appropriate silver foxes silver foxes are 40 i thought silver foxes were 50 I'm gonna have well, to. On when I'm gonna have to grades. tell you something that is Uh-oh. unfortunate about Uh-oh. gay romance. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it was it was very hard finding a gay romance with older people. <laughs> oh no! So, because that's that's str- a bit bizarre to me because daddies have become more of a thing mm-hmm. lately. Um, but when one of them and, and like, when yes. one of them's a daddy. Right, and like, yeah, like but 20 and December. 45 has always been a thing, but it's become more of a thing for like 30 and above. Right, and now like, and I will say like, I, like probably if I went into bear territory, mm. like I might have found so, like two gentlemen who were bears falling in love with each other who were in their 40s. Um, oh, probably, And I yes. think we've read books like that, but I was really looking for 50 to 60 and let okay. me tell you, not easy. And oh, so why I'm saying fair. over 40 was because this is one of the one books I could find where this gentleman is over 40. <laughs> uh, okay, fair, 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 fair. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and I'm going to say I found silver fox romances with gay men, but a lot of them were. Mm. He's a silver fox. And he's in his twenties, right? Yeah, I yeah I can yeah. It's become more common that daddy is more of an aesthetic mm-hmm. as opposed to like relationship of age. Mm. So I I think that it's telling that more gay men need to be writing romance novels because that's happening within the gay male community and the straight white ladies that are writing gay romance novels probably aren't aware of it and they aren't writing like a th- like a 35 year old and a 40 year old who has started to go gray like that would be a daddy book also even though that there's like five years in between them but yeah and i think whatever. like the other part uh the other part for me was like i was looking for um I was looking for books that seemed to like lean into that a little bit. And again, like maybe if I'd gone bears, mm-hmm. like, or daddies, like I, pr- I might've found it when it was like, that's what we're looking for. And it's, and it's a, mm-hmm. and it's a coded language that I don't know the code. Fair, um, fair, fair, fair. So we may take a look at this trope again and maybe like, we'll, we'll see what else we can find, but this is what I found here and I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Authors, people in their 50s. Fuck. Like, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. Um, and I, I picked this I picked this for two reasons. One, 
Uh, I myself am turning 40 this year, and so uh, let's bring it on! But two, uh, (laughs) the story of Angel and Tyler. And I was like, let's dig in! I want this book. So we're digging in. Great, I love it. I love it, I love it. I love when we use an obstacle as an opportunity. Indubitably. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Uh, Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, guys. Oh, my God. Happy anniversary. Happy Happy leather anniversary. Let's keep it traditional. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you believe we've been doing this for three years? No. No. And yet, uh, American girls visiting England in the 2600 years ago. So long ago. I can't even (laughs) believe that was last year. Like, I feel like I want to go back and re-listen to that episode just to see who we were. <laughs> when we were like going out, places, oh, so nice. how less gray my hair sounded. <laughs> uh, same. Yeah, our last anniversary episode was our live show at Book Sync mm-hmm. because that's when we could be places. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, thank you, listeners. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. Uh, thank you, authors. Thank you, authors. Uh, keep writing, please do. Uh, honestly, writing. we may not have liked these particular books. Maybe you have other books in the series we like more. But also, again, there were parts we we adored, and we dug in. Yeah. We dug in. We we done did dug we in. Done dig dug in. So, <laughs> so I guess don't, don't. the only thing we have to say now is if you can do so safely, and you can do so consensually, and, consensually. and you can do so by talking and bringing everybody in and treating nobody as a prop that even if they're there consensually unless that is what they were coming to do by all means keep, keep.